Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Oh, man, greetings to our Janesville Church family. I thank God for you guys. I'm so impressed with the amazing work that God is doing uh, uh, among you. I hope that you are energized uh, by it as well. If you don't know me, uh, my name is David Clark. I'm one of the pastors at Central Christian. And if you're newer to our church, we are one church uh, in different locations, two languages, but serving our one great uh, Jesus. And if you are with us for the first time, man, we are delighted that God has brought you and you've caught us in the middle of a special teaching series, never done it before. It's called Central Strong, a strong church to help keep you strong. You see, life is hard. Man, life hurts. It has its difficult struggles, its huge challenges, but everything goes smoother. Everything gets better. I mean, family, finances, Friendships, even our feelings, get better as we are stronger and go through them with great strength. Well, I want to talk to you today about what is often the untold secret of great spiritual strength to help you stand and surge uh, through the struggles in life. Vacation. Deb and I go out to the Rockies every year in the fall. Uh, we just got back this week. We love to see the, the trees turn colors and to look at the uh, mountains uh, that we climbed when we were younger. Uh, but let me show you just a few. This is Mount Albert, highest mountain in Colorado. It was rainy a couple of days uh, when we were out west. And this is a mountain that's 14,440 feet elevation. And we've climbed it a few times uh, with people from our church. The next picture, uh, this is Mount Massive. You see how huge it gets its massive uh, name. Um, and I, this is one of my favorite climbs because I did it with Eric and Mandy, and it was so much fun seeing Eric altitude sick. Um, here's another, that's the second highest mountain. This is the fifth highest mountain in the Rockies. This is La Plata Peak, uh, another great uh, climb that I, I did with my Debbie. But I just wanted you to see these pictures to set you up for the next picture. Um, man, I, I drove up to this moment, this dirt road going into an aspen forest, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so awesome. We're going to drive up this mountain. We were looking for an abandoned mine ruin, and I thought, we are just going to drive through this paradise of aspens, but this uh, dream drive turned into an off-road nightmare. I mean, the farther we got, the road got narrower. It got rockier. It got more dangerous. Until finally, miles into it, we got to a point where we, we were just stopped by a big chunk of mountain. And um, there was nowhere to go. There were no turnarounds on the road. We were going to have to back all the way down the mountain by the same path that we had taken. And we were in a, a severe pinch on my side of the truck, trees and, and, and a steep mountainside going up. On Debbie's side of the truck, let me show you that picture again. To me, this great, it's a great illustration of temptation 
into sin. On the outside, it looks exciting, inviting. But as we move into it, we find ourselves painfully stuck in a sinful mess, a dead-end sinful mess. When we, when we go into the temptation, we don't see it coming, but we find ourselves in a painful, dead-end, sinful mess. And the only way to get free is to back out. I mean, you have to back all the way out of the sin. In fact, I, I, I would believe that one of the reasons that God has you here today, you wants to help you identify the sin that you just got to back all the way out of. Maybe, maybe you need to back out of an addiction. Maybe, maybe you need to back out of pornography. Maybe you need to back out of anger. Maybe you need to back out of bitterness. Maybe you need to back out of a spirit of, uh, of being controlling or unforgiving or judgmental. But we all have our mess, we, we all have our sin, and we all have to back out, back away from the sin. This backing out process, the Bible calls this backing out repentance. Backing out, backing away from our sin. In, in fact, um, Peter he, he, he had a sense of urgency when he had an opportunity to talk about backing out. He said it this way, now, right now, right now, for you, today, this moment, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God, showered with away your sins, and look what happens as you back out. You position yourself to be showered with his blessings and refreshment. And then he sends you, as you back out, he sends you Jesus. You back out into the presence of Christ. Um, if Jesus, I mean, it's like the, uh, the lady, just be sure to bring loose clothing. And the lady said, if I had any loose clothing, I wouldn't be in this class. We all need to make the change. Now, Peter, on another opportunity, this is what he said about backing away from sin. Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus. Why? So your sins are forgiven. You can back out, back away from the sin into forgiveness. Now, if I was not a sinner deserving of hell, um, I wouldn't need to repent. I wouldn't need to change my life. But I am a sinner. And you are a sinner. We've, we, we've got to identify that. We've got to be real about it. And um, we've got to be able to back out. So backing away from sin is not a one and done. Repentance must become a lifestyle. So I want to share with you the, some simple ABCs I use every day because I sin every day, you sin every day. We've got to practice this prayer process every day. So here's the A in our ABCs of repentance, backing out. It's having an awareness of sin. When Deb and I were out in the mountains, 
Uh, we watched an episode of Leave It to Beaver on our uh, TV there. And uh, in this episode, as is normal, the beave was in big trouble. And he was having a come to Jesus moment with his dad. And I wanted you to see what Ward Cleaver said to his son. He said, Beaver, wrong is wrong, even if everyone says it's right. And right is right, even if everyone says it's wrong. That was back in the 50s when I was a kid. But today, it's still a confusing thing. What's right? And what's wrong? And what we try to convince ourselves is okay, which is really not okay. Uh, in fact, the best friend of Jesus, John, he said it this way. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, refusing to accept and to see how aware you are of your sin. In fact, as you take this test, you'll find out whether or not you're just a churchgoer or actually a Christ follower. Because churchgoers, they think they're pretty good people. But Christ followers, they know they are a sinful mess. I mean, Peter, one of the closest friends of Jesus, he said, I am such a man of sin. And the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he said, I'm like the world champion. I'm the worst sinner of all. I'm the chief Sinner. So let's see how you're doing. What I'm going to do leads you to the Ten Commandments. And you kind of keep track on your finger, fingers which one of these commandments you have not broken. So here's number one. Number one commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So if every day of your life, through the course of that entire day, you've always put God first in everything, in your money, in your relationships, in your time, then... This is one you have not broken. But remember, thou shalt not lie is coming up. Uh, commandment number two, you shall not make an idol of anything. So if you have never uh, idolized a sports team, green and gold, um, or a dream house, or a bank account, or a particular kind of car, uh, or a movie star, uh, then you can check this as one you have not broken. But remember, thou shalt not lie is coming. And number three, you shall not take the name of God in vain. So if you've never said, um, oh my God, or <laughs> made some worse use of his name, this would be a commandment that you have not uh, broken. Number four, remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. Um if you have ever skipped church or you came to church and slept through the sermon, um, you're in trouble on this one. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Um, if you have never disobeyed uh, your parents, if you've never in any way disrespected your parents, then this is one that you have not broken. Number six, you shall not kill. Now, interestingly, Jesus interpreted this by saying, so you blew it on this one. We all have. And number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Again, Jesus gives us his interpretation on this commandment by saying, if you've even thought of it, you did it in your heart. So we've all blown that one. Number eight, you shall not steal. Um, if you've never stolen a dollar from your mama's pocketbook or a quarter from your sibling's piggy bank 
or an answer on a test from a classmate or a penny from the IRS, and you're probably okay. Number nine, you shall not lie. If you say you haven't broken this one, you just broke it. And number 10, you shall not covet. If um, you've ever been jealous or envious of someone's job or their house or their spouse or their body or their car, um, then you're probably cool with this one. Um, but, but let me just do a quick survey. You can raise your hands there at the Janesville campus. If, if you have always kept all your life, all 10 commandments, please uh, raise your hand. I'd like for you to look around the room just because if someone's got their hands up, hand up, that means Jesus is worshiping with you today. But anybody out there kept nine out of ten? Eight? Seven? Oh my gosh, this is a wicked church. Uh, but, the, but the point is, we've got to be aware of our sin. And, and, and to acknowledge it. Because then we know the next step in breaking free and backing out away from the sin. And... Um, Really, I don't have to lead you to the Ten Commandments for you to be aware of your sin. That's why Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus promised? Check this out, John 16, uh, 8. When the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convince the world, you and me, of our sin and the availability of God's goodness. You see, when we, he convinces us of our sin, that this is wrong, and we back away from it, we back into the goodness of of God. But there's got to be more than just awareness. That's A. The B is brokenness over sin. Um, the Word of God says it this way. It is a broken heart you want. Oh God, you will not ignore. God wants us to have such a level of gratitude for Jesus and the work that he did for us on the cross and his victory over the grave that when we, when we sin, it, it just kills us on the inside to know how we've grieved God by our deliberate um, desertion of his love, rejection of his precepts, I, I mean, it, there's something wrong with us as Christians if we are not moved to tears and brokenness by our awareness. And it's the only way to get to wholeness spiritually is, is the journey through the brokenness of repentance and backing away from our sin. And so now I'll pass the baton off to uh, R. Kellen and... Uh, he, he can take you through uh, the rest of this message. So I, I love how David introduces himself as one of the pastors. Um, if, you're, if you are new, the guy's been the lead pastor for like 40 years. So he's, he's a little overly humble sometimes. Uh, that's part of the reason that we love him. Uh, but I, I love what he's talking here about awareness and brokenness. Uh, and I can't help but what comes to my mind is King David. A lot of you know the story, King David. He's this guy that God says in the Bible, he's a man after God's own heart, yet he's out there committing adultery and having somebody murdered and doing all this stuff. 
But what you notice with David, and what I always come back to, is why is he man after God's own heart? It's because when he is made aware of the sin, he is immediately broken over the sin. And then, and then the repentance is able to take place. And I know for me, when I'm not aware of my sin, what happens is I'm not able to be broken for my sin, person. That I am somebody who's capable of, at any point, of sin. And of sin that could really hurt me and hurt other people. And so when I'm aware of that, I'm able to keep doors closed that otherwise might be open. And so, awareness and brokenness, I think, are incredibly important to repentance. But then, David leaves me with the C part of the ABCs of repentance. And this is the one that nobody likes. This is confession. Like, nobody, nobody really likes the idea of confession, I'm convinced. Um, I dislike it so much that I, I, I think I talked about this a couple years ago. I had a situation, this was like my junior year of high school, which I was trying to count how many years ago, and I can't even do it anymore. That really made me sad. Um, this is a lot of years ago, okay? And at my junior year of high school, I was a cross-country runner. And the week of homecoming, we actually had our, our sectionals race that Saturday of, of homecoming. Problem was, is we also had uh, an exciting football game that happened on Friday night. And so me and all my buddies, especially a lot, some of them are cross-country buddies, we went and we played tackle football the night before my cross-country meet. If you've ever tried to play tackle football and then run the next day, it doesn't go together well. So I was super sore. My, my coach, he's watching me. He's like, what, what's wrong with you? You look a little sore. I'm like, I don't know what happened, coach. It must have been a hard workout this week you gave us. I don't know. Um, I didn't want to admit to him what I did the night before. And it was like 15 years after the fact that finally I, I went to my coach and I was like, you know, coach, you remember that time where I was really sore before that big race? This guy remembers everything. He's like, when it's sports, it's like just all in his brain. He's like, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what happened with that. I feel like he laid awake at night trying to figure it out. So finally, my coach has played tackle football before. And the look in his eyes was like disappointment. My coach was 15 years ago. Give me a break. But I, don't, I didn't like confessing that. Uh, I don't like confessing just about anything. But then you've got other people where we're, we're on the, the total other end of the spectrum sometimes where some people don't want to confess anything, but then there's others who it's like, I got to confess every stop. I don't want to hear it. Um, but Martin Luther was actually a dude like that. Not Martin Luther King. We're talking Martin Luther, the church reformer, the guy who did the 95 Theses. You might remember that from history class. Kind of started, the Lutheran church kind of started off of, of him. But this is a guy that was terrified that his sin was not going to be forgiven if he didn't confess it to God. And so uh, the, the stories about him are legendary. At least one time he, he stayed in a confession room for six hours confessing his sins to somebody. Now, if you were the one that was standing there listening to all that, or sitting, hopefully, listening to that, at the end of that, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? I want to hurt you, having to listen to it. And actually, the guy that, that was listening to him, he said to him, hey, Martin, man, uh, God is not angry with you. You are angry with God. And I think the point he was trying to make is, you want so bad for God to forgive you, but the problem is, is you haven't understood that God has forgiven you. You think that God is mad at you all the time and, and you're, you're mad because you can't control God. He's, he's already taken care of the sin. Chill out. It was so bad for Martin that uh, I'm talking to him like he's my buddy, Martin. Pastor Luther, all right? Uh, it was so bad for Pastor Luther that he became physically ill at times because he was so worried about, I need to confess all my sin. 
he actually had insomnia for five weeks one time because of this. And it almost drove him to insanity. Uh, he, would, he would starve himself and not eat food. He would he'd go to bed and not put on blankets and almost freeze in the middle of the night. Torturing himself because he just wanted to get all these sins out in the open. So let's be real. That is not a healthy version of confession. We need some kind of happy medium of of confessing the things that, that we've messed up with. I think it's a really vital, important part to our, to our spiritual relationship, our healthy relationship with Jesus, having a healthy spiritual life. And so in John 1 verse 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. See, confession isn't the thing that gets us saved, but it does have a certain thing about it that opens up the door for God to come in and give us a couple kids out here who want to get baptized next week. When I, when I accept what Jesus did on the cross for me, uh, and it was actually cool, I was talking to a couple kids out here who want to get baptized next week, and I'm like, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And like, they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's get baptized next week. It's awesome. I'm excited for it. There's at least five, I think, that are getting baptized, so that's going to be cool. Um, I don't know who clapped, but good job. Uh, confession has a way of helping us get to that place where God can purify our hearts. I know he's forgiven me, but opening up my mouth and saying it, it opens up some way for God to come in and, and to do something. It says this in Daniel 9. I'm not going to give the whole context to what this is from, but you're, I think you're going to hear what, what I'm going at in this, con- in this passage. Dennis says, while I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord for God, uh, my God, for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in, in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. See, Daniel was in this place where he was confessing his sins and Israel's sins to God. Do you find it to be a coincidence that that's the moment that Gabriel, the angel, comes to him and starts to share insight with him? Maybe, it's a, maybe, maybe something happens when we can, occasion that, that happened. But I think something happens when we confess that it opens the door for God to do certain things in our lives. Second Chronicles 7.14, God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I think confession is a part of repentance. It seems to activate God getting to work in our lives in a unique way. When I open up my mouth and I say, here God, here's what I did. Some think also confessing to the people around us when we've messed up can be a powerful thing. Now this is the thing we got to be careful though. We don't, we don't just go and confess about everything. I've had people come up to me and say things like, hey Kellen, I've got to confess something. I hated you for the longest time. I'm like, really? Thanks a lot. I'm glad you feel better. See, if confessing is just about making you feel better, maybe sometimes some of those inner struggles that we have are meant to stay between you and God. Like, just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to tell everybody that you hated them. Some of you, some of you are happy because you're like, oh man, I was going to go home and tell everybody I hated them. Man, glad I don't have to do that. 
But a benefit that confessing to other people can bring in your life is this. Confessing your wrong actions to the people that were affected can bring both renewed trust to the relationship and also accountability to your future actions. Uh, now, you've burned bridges before maybe with people. And confessing to them what you did, it may, not, it may not build all those bridges back. It may not build all the trust back. But at least that one little thing that they're hearing you say, hey, you know what, I messed up. Maybe it can start to the building process again. But I think what I like even more is that when I confess to somebody, there is an accountability that now takes place. Um, my wife, uh, just a couple weeks ago, she shared something with me. And she's like, hey, Kellen, I think, I think you've been a little bit distant at home. Uh, there's a little distant. Whether it's the phone or the computer or whatever, um, there's, just, there's a little distance. Uh, you, need to, you need to connect a little bit more. You know, and the first reaction was like, whatever. <laughs> as I barely got off my phone to hear it. Um, but as the night went on, I was like, yeah, she's right. And so the next morning, I, I pulled my daughters aside because part of who I, that had affected was my daughters. And so I pull them aside, and, and this, is, this tells you how bad of a human being I am. I pull them aside, I'm like, hey, guys, I got, I got something I want to tell you. And right then they're like, oh, dad's got a joke for us. He's trying to be serious. He's going to tell us he's going to give us up for adoption again. <laughs> I'm a horrible, horrible person. I get it, okay? <laughs> but I, you know, I sat him down. And I was like, hey, guys, I've been a little distant lately, I feel like. Your mom helped me see that, and I want to do better. So what that does is it actually gives some accountability. My daughters now are in a place, if they see, if they see that I'm just not present, they may be like, hey, yo, dad, you, be a good dad. Like, get better at this. They can just tell me that. But also, I don't want to have to say it again. I don't want to, a month from now, have to be like, yeah, I got back into that same spot. I, I'm, sorry I've been, I'm sorry I've been distant. Haven't been present with you. So there's accountability that comes with confession. Whether it's confess, confessing to God, whether it's confessing to people. Confession helps to keep us accountable. It's that step of saying, I want to do better. And those people around us, then they can help us to remember to do better. But confessing your sins alone is not the thing that gets you right with God. You know, it's in our nature that we, we want to think that we can, we can figure out the ways that we'll get people or God to accept us and love us. And so one of those things is, well, if I confess, then they got to love me. God's got to love me if I confess. We've got to remember that it's not confession that, that saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. And actually, Martin Luther kind of had forgotten that at times. And what's interesting is we're talking about the guy who got the church to remember that we are saved by our faith. And yet that guy is still the guy who would go into the confession room thinking that his confession, he had to get all the right confession out in order to get it right with God. So, forgiveness doesn't require you to go through torture. And honestly, Jesus went through torture so that you wouldn't have to go through it. If you're struggling with sin in your life, like, I, there is a tendency, a human tendency, we want to torture ourselves. Some of you are probably still beating yourself up for, for things that happened in your past a long time ago. It's time to stop beating yourself up over those things. That is not what, Jesus went through torture on the cross so we could stop torturing ourselves. We don't have to fight for our salvation, but I'll tell you one thing that we actually have to fight for. We have to fight for our spiritual health. 
When I accept Jesus as my Savior, that he died on the cross, people who are saved, who are still spiritually unhealthy. And a lot of it is because of this baggage that we have that we haven't fully repented, gone through these ABCs, awareness, brokenness, confession, and turned our lives. And so what happens is we, we just continue to, to, to sit in this place of spiritual unhealthiness. So it's important for us to remember that perfection is not the goal. When we talk about repentance, perfection is not the goal. Sometimes we get discouraged because we feel like, man, I repented of that a long time ago and I keep on going back to it. I keep on struggling with it. Have you ever been in that place? I've been in that place plenty of times. Believe, and Hey, I've had that conversation that I talked about with my wife more than once. <laughs> it's been a struggle more than once. Addiction can be a real reason why people repent but then fall back to the things that they were struggling with. And some of, it may be thing, seemingly small things that, that you're addicted to. Not being able to stay off your phone, eating too much food, getting mad over the small stuff. Or it might be the things that we think of our, as the big things, the uh, pornography, substance abuse, stealing, stuff like that. But all of these things that we get addicted to they become addictive and they become equally disastrous to our spiritual health. They're all things that make us repent and then slip back to what we were once doing. And I want to say something that it might sound really off at first, but I want you to hear me out, okay? Repentance is the act of turning in the right direction, not necessarily moving in the right direction. And some of you, that might, that might be like, man, that doesn't sound right to me because... Repentance means I've turned the, the, and I've started to walk in a better direction. Remember how God told, t tells us in Scripture that David was a man after his own heart. David continued to, to repent and then go back to the stuff that he, he, he had sinned for in the first place. If repentance is just about the action of going the other way, then a lot of us, we haven't really repented because we continue to go back to those things. Repentance is making that 180 degree turn in our hearts. And the more that I make that 180 degree turn in my heart, in, I've only got one heart, in my heart, I'm going to be able to start to walk in that direction more as I make that turn when I need to. Repentance is not a short-term solution for change as much as it is because they've made a solution for growth. You have people in your life that you've, you've stopped giving grace to because they've made that turn of repentance. They've said it and then they haven't lived it out. I'm telling you, you, you need to encourage them that this is a long-term thing. It's not always short-term. You need to have patience in it for that other person, just like we need to have that patience for ourselves. We've all been in that spot before. It is a human nature thing. We make that change, but it just lasts for a little while. You get aware of your sin. You're broken over your sin. You even confess, and you go right back to doing it. Let me say this. Uh, three simple words. Don't give up. We get spiritually unhealthy because in the act, in, in the process of this ABCs of repentance, we finally get to the place where either I don't want to be aware of my sin anymore or I can't handle being broken over my sin once more because I just, I can't handle going back to it. And so we cut off this process and then all of a sudden, we're living in a, in a way completely apart from God. We're spiritually unhealthy. The more that you get your heart and mind into the habit of turning in the right direction, the more you'll begin to start walking in that right direction. 
God's not asking you. I don't think God's asking any of us to be perfect, to see what we're doing wrong, to make the turn, and never to go back to it. We don't want to go back to it. The idea when, when we change our heart and we t make that 180 is we're never going to go back to it, but we're human. Stop beating yourself up over it. Learn to find grace for yourself the way that great Jesus has grace for you. And the process just is meant to go over and over and over again. When you become aware once again that you've turned the wrong way, find brokenness and turn back. I want to tell you this. Jesus can help you get where he's aiming you to go. Please don't give up. A lot of us, we're in one or two spots. Either we, we are so happy to walk, thinking clearly, that's when we repent. But then something happens and we stop thinking clearly. Or maybe you've tried, you've tried to walk the right direction so many times and now you've decided, I can't do it. I still might even play the game of being a Christian, going to church, but I feel like his victory is not for me because I can't figure it out. I'm telling you, do not give up. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus being able to actually change long-term where you're going. If you're struggling to make that turn, if you're struggling to want to be better because it's been such a struggle for such a long time, I'm going to pray with you before we get out of here. Because I think every, every single one of us, we've got those moments. There are moments for me when my wife talks to me about things that need to be corrected in my life where I'm like, yeah, baby, I want to do that right now, but I feel like in two weeks, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Jesus can help us get there. Don't cut off being aware. Don't cut off becoming broken to your sin. Don't cut off the confession when it has to take place. All Jesus wants for us is to get up, to dust ourselves off, to aim in the right direction the next time. Doesn't matter where you've fallen off the trail. I believe Jesus is always fine coming and picking you up where you fell off the trail. Don't give up. So what I want us to do is I want us to, to ask God to renew our hearts, renew our minds on this idea of continual repentance. That every time I mess up, that I'd have the humility to become aware and to become broken once again. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.